0: Welcome to the Nobody Like Jesus podcast. Bringing hope and healing for inmates and the free world. Inspired preaching, teaching, interviews and music, sharing the good news. There's nobody like Jesus.
1: Alright, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Nobody Like Jesus podcast. This is your host, Brother McMorris. I'm here with Brother Dickinson. Praise the Lord, Brother Dickinson.
0: Praise God, brother. It's good to be back on on here with you today.
1: Yes, sir. So we are in part ten of coming out of Mama's house. And what a time we've had. So we've dove deep into baptism. It's where we've been at recently and we've been dealing with faith is it a public profession what is it is it obedience is it action and so we're diving deeper into that today we're still on baptism and I think this is this is going to be close to the end of us wrapping up the baptismal part is that correct brother Dickinson
0: yes sir yes sir that's what it's looking
1: like yes sir and who knows you never know me and you might spiral out of control and have a, have a part
0: 10.5. <laughs> hey, man, we may. <clears throat> you yeah. know, we've, we've been discussing coming out of Mama's house and the lines of, uh, you know, leaving the elementary teachings of some of our denominal stuff and even maybe even some other religions and how the Bible teaches us to obey the gospel. And I know that this baptism has been kind of drawled out But how do you obey the Gospel, Brother Morris? And that's been the key factor. We've got to first know what the Gospel is, and we've discussed that. That's the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So once we learn that the Gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, now how do we actually obey that ourselves? And we've discussed that the death is at repentance. We die out to our old self, our sinful nature, And we lay ourselves down at the altar with Christ as it repentance to turn from, which is the old nature, and to turn to, which is to Christ. And then we talk about being buried, and we showed where that is water baptism in the name of Jesus. And we've been discussing that in quite depth. (laughs) Um, Today, I'd like to start out. Let's start out in prayer, Brother McMorris. I want to get ahead of the game.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, well, let's pray.
0: Today.
1: Absolutely, let's pray. God, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, God. Lord, we ask that you would let your word, let the seed be fallen on good soil, God. Let it take root and find a hold, God. Let there be fresh revelation, Lord. Use these lips of clay, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so, before we even get in, I want to say we are... and appreciative of you all who are tuning in who've been following along with the podcast and specifically with these bible studies know we want to get more interviews to you guys and we're trying to stay on top of these bible studies we've been putting more sermons up and there's more to come so we hope everybody's been enjoying that and we're going to continue in that and then with that being said we're also and so we've got more of those coming to you all and once again you know we're doing this podcast for you all there are people in the free world you know tune into this but the real desire and passion behind this is for you all it's in the penitentiary so you've got some access to some good material and that's what we're doing this for and so we appreciate each and every one of you all and so Any shout-outs you got today, Brother Dickinson?
0: Um, Not off the top of my head. I haven't had anything from Sister Robin or Pastor Copeland from the office at Little Rock to say if anybody's written in. So, if anybody's written in, we're hoping to get y'all some shout-outs. Also, uh, I think Brother McMorris is looking to try to get a P.O. box, another P.O. box set up to maybe get some snail mail going into him. Uh anybody wants to address him directly, when we get that done, we'll announce that. But man, I want to shout out to everybody that's listening to us, that's staying connected to us, and bearing with us with the Bible study program, the magazines, just everything we got kicked off. It's kind of slow go. You may not hear back from us. I know sometimes you spend your only stamp to write somebody, and you don't hear back. It's a, it's like man, them folks don't care, and so. We got so many volunteers and everybody's busy and it's just really hard so i want to let you guys know from somebody that's been there that uh your your thoughts and your concerns and you being behind the walls is not going unnoticed and we love y'all we truly truly do and this is a god called thing to for you guys and so you know i like to shout out to everybody that's just staying strong and true if you're going through a hard time Remember that adversity is only a tool in the hand of God. Allow it to develop into some good character traits. Don't let it take you away from the cross, but let it carry you further to Christ. That's about it on the shout-outs, my brother.
1: That's it. That's the truth too, brother. I wanna to say too, I want to say thank you for all the prayers. I know that we did give a update last time we were on here. I know folks was praying for us about that Amish tent revival and it was incredible folks was getting baptized and getting holy ghost and and we've continued on in revival we're in revival right now and we baptized 25 people just in the past two weeks we're looking to baptize about 25 more this week brother dickinson so praise god so if everybody praise keep god. praying for us we appreciate
0: that yes for sure yeah i do want to give a shout out to um, uh pastor kyle perkins um over in West Memphis, Arkansas, he's in the free world and he tunes in and listens to us and I just want to give him a shout out and let him know we appreciate him staying faithful to listening to the podcast and we love him and we're praying for him and continued work of God giving him directions to where he needs to be at.
1: Amen. Yes, sir. All right, well, without further ado, Brother Dickinson, let's jump in it.
0: All right, we're, we're going to hit a little bit on infant baptism. <clears throat> I'll give a minute blanket to that. i want to try to hit some scriptures. But in around the 2nd century, uh, people started baptizing infants because of the fact that there became a debout, uh, debate with us being born with a sin nature. And so the theology came up, if we're born with a sin nature and... The church has always believed that water baptism is for the remission of sins. That's when the blood of Jesus is actually applied. You repent. and That's when you basically turn from your sins. You ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. That's kind of simultaneously together. But when you go down in water immersion is when the sins were remitted. So since we're all born with a sin nature and we come out of our mother's womb into into this earth with sin on us, the Catholic Church began to feel that it was necessary to baptize infants. And so uh, approximately in the 2nd century is when that arrived. And, and the same guy, we'll get into this, this this teaching a little bit later about the Trinity. The Trinity was basically given its accolades to a man named Tertullian in the 2nd century. And uh, so that guy also is the one that invented or uh, basically got the recognition and spearheaded infant baptism. And it wasn't until we seen in the 5th century and we talked about um, the, the Celestus came out and began to oppose uh, baptism altogether as being essential to counterattack the teaching of infant baptism. So when we go to dealing with infant baptism, we want to I want to kind of couple this with sprinkling and pouring. These two are going to fall hand in hand in this study. Should infants be baptized? And if they should, you know, we we see that they're saying that they should be because we're all born with sin and water baptism remits, remits the sins. If they shouldn't be, then why shouldn't they be? And then what's the what's the verdict with that? well. We also talk about sprinkling and pouring and how it came into play, and we want to cover that a little bit. And uh, Brother McMorris, if you have uh, Matthew 3, verses 7 and 8, uh, read that for me, sir.
1: Alright, going to the book of Matthew, chapter number 3, starting in verse 7, it reads... But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance.
0: Alright, so what we have here, the first time that we read in the New Testament of our Bible of baptism being preached under the New Covenant or aiming towards the New Covenant is right here in Matthew. And John the Baptist said that you had to have proof or meet evidence of repentance. And so the first requirement before you can ever be baptized is you have to repent. Uh, We see in Acts 2.38, we're going to quote that go back and read it if you're not familiar with it it said then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The first thing they had to do was repent Luke 24 and 47. you have that on hand brother?
1: I do. Let's see You were in Luke 24 and 47 it reads and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem
0: so here Luke's account of the Great Commission he states that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in Jerusalem, in His name, and we see that it states that repentance and remission are two separate things that happen. When you repent, you have to do it before you can ever get remission. So, if an infant cannot repent, then therefore they can't never make it to water baptism. Right. So to come up with come up with the ideology that they are to get baptized <clears throat> because they was born in sin. They, they haven't repented yet. So their sins are still not remitted. They just got wet. They're no different than a sinner going to the baptism and not aiming to turn from their sin, have no desire, has no focus to quit sinning, and just says, hey, I want to get baptized because that remits my sins. That's no different. They, there's no turning from it. So if an infant has not repented, if it has not made up its mind to quit sinning and following God, the remission is not granted
1: once they're baptized. Right. That's correct.
0: Anything you want to chime in there before I keep going with it, Brother
1: McMorris? No, that's it. You can't have remission without repentance. The same thing... Alright, so... Go
0: ahead.
1: The same way you can't have repentance without remission. They're hand in hand. They're hand in hand. They gotta, they gotta go simultaneously are right with each other they have to be able to
0: be coupled together Um, so a person may say well then Brother Dickinson if 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 the infant is born with sin and they die before they're able to repent where do they go to because that was the whole focus on the water baptism you bring the baby in you dedicate it to the Lord and you and you and they baptized this baby or what a lot of times they called baptism they did the pouring or the sprinkling and um that way it would save this child from necessarily going into hell and then you get into some other theological studies that I'm, i don't want to expound upon greatly right now, but they talked about a place of limbo uh, and that was a, a place that was actually kind of like purgatory it was in between uh heaven and hell so um, this saved the child from going into uh, hell. It spared the child. <clears throat> but the thing about it is, is we see we have to first repent. Well, here's the deal, uh, a God being a just God, and we know that by our sins, that's what's going to send us to hell because we haven't allowed Christ to forgive us. And if a child, cannot be held responsible for something that it, isn't, it, it, it doesn't have the concept that it did. So since we inherit this sin nature from Adam, from our birth, we're born uh, We're born sinners. Peter said it this way. He said if the righteous scarcely be saved Where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? He showed that the sinner is a type of person and the ungodly is a type of person. You say, well, well, how is that, Brother Dixon? He said, if the righteous spirit scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Like, they're two different classes of people, and they are, because we're all born sinners, but we choose to live ungodly. So when you're born a sinner, you're born a sinner. Once you get to the age of understanding right and wrong, what is sin and what is not sin, Uh, do you remain a sinner and if you don't remain a sinner and you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus name having them remitted then do you choose to continue to live ungodly or not so once you're born a sinner that sin is not accounted to you until you become old enough and you Well, what age is that old enough and, it, and I think personally there's not a set age in the scriptures now we can go into Judaism and see where they hold an age of accountability but I feel that uh, people are different ages at different times right. and once you come to being taught what's right and what's wrong and you do it willfully now you're at a place that you need to repent you're at the age of accountability that you need to turn from it
1: that's it and, and, so, and you know And I've got the scripture for you. It's in John chapter 9, starting in verse number 18. The Jews dealing with the young boy who had been healed of his blindness. And it reads, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth we know not, or who hath opened his eyes we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. So the parents knew that our boy is old enough and he's mature enough to where he's at the point that he can tell you himself, he can speak for himself. So there is a recognition of a time for when a child is mature enough, and I'm with you on the idea that that age varies. But when that child is mature enough to know, hey, this is the truth, this is the gospel, and I need to obey it, or this is right and this is wrong, and I need to live differently in my choices. Right
0: now, uh, let me let me make this statement because this, it, it, as my personal thinking and my personal theology this because i don't feel we have a solid scripture on it but from what i have studied this is what i draw this is what i exited jesus from it and that is we are born sinners so we inherit a nature so just by nature we're we're naturally sinners but here's the thing until I personally begin to act upon it myself. I'm not held responsible for that. And so the teaching that you have to be baptized just because you was born a sinner, doesn't necessarily meet the criteria to be baptized. If so, then if it would have to be. But once you begin to allow that Adamic nature, that sinful nature that we inherited from Adam to be a part of us and we start acting on it, and we do, you take a little kid, man, and he gets caught doing something he's not supposed to do. He could be two or three years old if he's talking. I mean, he got a little cookie or something he's not supposed to have. He says, what have you got? He immediately tries to hide it and say nothing. Well, right. He's lying. One, he tried to hide. He tried to be deceptive and hide his sin or hide his wrong. And then two, he lies about it to cover it up, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Right. So at this stage of the game, he's knowing right from wrong. Well, that's that natural instinct that we inherited from Adam is to lie, to steal, to be deceptive.
1: That's it. That's it. Nobody has to teach you to lie. No. Nobody has to teach you to take something that you're not supposed to take or touch something that you're not supposed to touch. It's natural nature.
0: Right. It's that a
1: nature, yep.
0: Correct, and once we start acting on it, now we're held responsible for that. That now it becomes something. You say, well, "Where's that age yet?" Because you know, like you say, a baby in in the crib will begin to cry, and he don't care who he wakes up. It wants his bottle or it, it wants his diaper changed. It can be one o'clock in the morning. It, it, it has no concept that you sleep in it. you gotta get up, to go to work. It has no care. All it cares about is I'm wet or I'm hungry. Yep. Take care of me. There's that selfishness. that's also part of that sinful nature. But at the time, the baby's not aware that that's wrong to be selfish. So it has to be taught, and once it begins to be made aware, is when you're now held accountable. But we must keep this in mind. This is definite, without a fact, Brother McMorris, that penance is a prerequisite to water baptism. If you have not repented before you're baptized, you're just getting wet. No matter, I mean, there's no power in a priest or a preacher or a minister putting you in the water, and he has superpower to oversee what the scripture says. The scripture says you, as an individual, first must turn from your wicked ways, and then can you be baptized in the name of Jesus, and God will remit them. Yep. Ah, uh, let's move on into the the sprinkling and the and the and the porn, brother McMorris.
1: All right, let's go there.
0: Uh, I'm gonna bump a couple of scriptures here, and then we'll go into reading some of them. Um, John three and six. This is where we just come out of. I mean Matthew three and six. This is where we just came out of with uh, the, the the statement of show me the show uh, fruits meant for repentance. This showed us that John the Baptist was at the Jordan. This this meant that he was somewhere where there was a pool of water. He wasn't down there pouring water over their head. He was fully immersing them in the water. You can research the word <clears throat> baptize, and it means to emerge. That means to full emerge. You know, we talk about the energies. I've heard it said over the years. I heard you minister on it, Brother Morse. If water baptism is symbolic to the Burial of Jesus Christ, and that's us burying the old man. Have you ever seen somebody just take a cup of dirt and pour over a dead body? No, sir. It, it don't cover it up. It's got to be fully, fully covered. It has to go in the same way with sprinkling. You, they're not going to sprinkle a little bit of dirt up there. We see in Acts uh, 8 38 and 39. You want to go to that, brother?
1: Yes, sir. I'm in Acts 8 and 38 and let's see and he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him and when they were come up out of the water the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing.
0: So here we see that when Philip baptized the eunuch after leaving Samaria, that it said they went into the water.
1: Yep, both of them. And
0: after he baptized them, it says that they came out of the water, both of them. This lets us know that they was in a full body of water. Nowhere in Scripture do we find in the New Covenant, nowhere in the New Covenant, from the Matthew all the way through, <clears throat> we never find anybody being poured or sprinkled. In the Old Testament, we see some pouring, we see some sprinkling, and this was these were typologies, and I don't have time to really get into that, and I think this is where some of our Catholic theology come from with pouring and sprinkling. But no man on earth, No man on earth has the power to change the word of God. Nope. I know that the I know that the church there's there's a church that teaches that when Jesus gives the keys to Peter, he says whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven, here's the keys, here's the authorities. And, and Peter was allegedly supposed to be made the first pope, so after he passes those keys down through generation, they have the power and the authority to change anything they want to change. That's an erroneous teaching.
1: Yeah, that ain't the truth.
0: The Word of God, the, the Bible says that not one jot nor tittle will pass away. Wrong. So here's the deal. A jot and a tittle had to deal with the Hebrew writings. This was every little thing ever comma, ever hyphen, every little slant to give an exclamation, anything to give an accent. It said not one little jot or tittle would pass away. Now, how is that going to not pass away if you got a priest that comes in here and changes what the Word of God says? If he changes it, then therefore it ain't been fulfilled. You, you don't, you don't win in a... Uh, Another scripture in the old and in the new states that uh, anybody that changes part of this will have their part in the
1: lake of fire. That's right. Well and Still with that more yeah than... I'm here and with that here's another deal. let me throw this at you. So the sprinkling and baptism well, know ye not that all that are have been baptized into Christ, have put on christ without blood and without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin so the only ways to get your sin removed and washed away from your carnal flesh is to go down in a body of water and have that name spoken over that body of water Because the name doesn't invoke, the name is the only thing that invokes the authority. A title doesn't invoke the authority. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost doesn't invoke the authority. But the name invokes the authority. And when one goes down in a body of water and the name is proclaimed over them, that body of water turns into a pool of blood. And just like burying a dead man, you want all of that blood over every square inch of that carnal body. Because the Bible says that no sin is going to enter into heaven. And so yeah. if your big toe is sticking up out of that water, and your big toe has still got the stain of sin on it, and it hadn't been washed by the blood, your big toe is going to be hanging outside the gates. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The better is to chop off your hand and enter it in, then to stay on the earth with all of it, huh? That's right. Look an eye out, and enter
1: that's, in. That's right.
0: Uh, when we look at where we started with uh, where water baptism derived from, when we first started the um, water baptism part of this study, I talked about the mikvah and how that was um, part of the. Uh, custom that's where water baptism literally derived from and when you look at the ancient mikvah and it doesn't matter if they Was using it to um cleanse uh, The utensils that they that they bought from gentiles or if it was a a lady going down to cleanse after a if it was a proselyte entering into judaism from being gentile Everything was fully immersed. You never see it taught that they could pour a little water or sprinkle a little water over utensils or they could sprinkle water over a lady after she had had her monthly menstrual that made her unclean or a proselyte coming in, he could be sprinkled or poured. They had to be fully immersed in the mikvah. Yes. This is a strong erroneous, and you say, well, what does it matter? What does it matter? You have more scripture about water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ than you do about any other fundamental teaching in Christianity and people try to divert from it more than anything. They fight against it more than anything, man. Does it have to be, does it don't have to be? And we've talked about that in previous studies about it being essential. Oh, you're saying you're saved by works. No, I'm not saying you're saved by works. Again, I reiterate the simple fact, you obey and that's how you're saved. You can't just get it and not do nothing about it. That's what's wrong with the society here in America right now. They want a paycheck without going to work. They they want something just freely handed to them. You say, well, ain't it a free gift? It's a free gift in the aspect I don't have to do anything meritoriously. But I still have to obey. The Bible says that you will perish if you obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Well, and, and here's the truth of it. Let's look at it from a practical matter. It's the washing away of sins the remitting of sins, the remission, the doing away with, the cleansing of sins. Nobody has ever taken anything dirty and sprinkled water on it and said, there it is, it's clean. So from a practical matter, it doesn't make sense to do any practice that's for the washing away or for the doing away of sins. In not having a complete submersion. Along with that. You've got to look at the fact that 19 instances in your New Testament Bible. Where baptism was applied. And every single time was by full submersion. In the name of Jesus. Never one time was it a sprinkling. But every time is by full submersion. And piggybacking off what you said. Well you know. Yeah it's not the works. Of course, it's not the works. But what the works are, because we're saved by grace through faith. But faith without works is dead. And in James 2 and 19, it said, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So believing, even the devils do that. Believing is not enough. It said in verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. So faith without your works is dead because the works are the justification of the faith. I just taught on this the other night. It's not the works that save you. It's the grace that saves you through faith which is justified by the works. Let me put it like this. All of us know what it's like to be in a court hearing. And if the judge accuses you of having faith, if that's what the accusation is, and they say, well, we accuse Brother Dickinson of having faith. And they say, well, where is the evidence of his faith? And they say, well, he hasn't done any works to prove that he has faith. And they say, well, we can't find him guilty of having faith. God's grace is the gift of salvation. But in order to have that gift of salvation, you've got to have faith in it. But to prove that you have faith in it, you have to have works. In James, it says, know you not that the works are the justification of the faith. And therefore, your works and what you do, your obedience to the gospel, your obedience to the Bible. Everybody else was baptized in Jesus' name by full submersion. God said, I'm the same and I change not. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he changes not. And so even today in 2023, your faith alone is not going to cut it. Because the devil's got faith. In fact, there's not one person in hell that don't believe in God. Even the devils have faith. They believe there's one God and tremble. But without the works, your faith isn't
0: justified. Amen. That's right, brother. That's right. And you know, uh, we have so many people that have fought against this to the point that they feel that they can just do anything. And then it goes to running out into stuff like and we'll probably get on this down the road in some of our studies, is stuff like, well, uh, all fell short, all come short of God's glory, you know, and it fell in sin, and and, and they use that as a crutch. Oh, you're trying to say you're without sin, Brother Dickinson, Brother McMorris, you're uh-uh. saying you're without sin. And, you know, they use that as a, as a crutch to continue to do the things that they know not to do. Right. And uh, you know they're handicapped there they stay there and that that's just and that's the same thing let's just stay away from any obedience to the word of god and so where do you draw the line and stop obeying when it comes to the new covenant and uh i think that's a that's a good deal there that uh grace saves us but we got to have faith and then the evidence of our faith which he says the. Substance of faith is things hope for. So, well, that's that, it. there's the substance. There. What is that substance? That substance is the proof the, the that proof that's the it. That's, that's
1: it. The evidence. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and when he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he God God didn't give him a cop out. God didn't give him an exemption. God didn't give him a motion to quash. God gave him the plans and when he gave Noah the plans Noah and his children not just Noah had to work the plans his children had to work the plans it wasn't good enough for just Noah to build that ark his children had to build that ark and they had to build it exactly the way God told them to they had to follow the pattern that God gave them and if for one second that they would have said, you know what, we've got grace and we're saved by grace. We don't need to follow these plans. We don't need to do no works because if we build this ark, then people are going to say that we're saved by works and that our works saved us. So you know what, let's just give up on doing the work and let's just let the grace save us. Well, I got news for you. They would have drowned with everybody else. And for anybody, anybody, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Just like in Noah's day, if there's anybody who says, well, you know what? I hear you, Brother Dickinson. I hear you, Brother McMorris. I hear your Bible. I hear what you're saying. But you know what? I'm just going to let the grace save me. I'm going to let all the work that Jesus did save me. And I'm going to sit back on my rear end and not do nothing about it. And i'm not going to put nothing into effect and i'm not going to build no ark and i'm not going to get in no ark and i'm not going to get baptized in jesus name because i'm just going to let the grace save me well just like noah would have drowned they gonna burn they gonna burn that's it
0: let's look at uh let's look at john three twenty-three. i want to hit this and then we kind of dive into some other stuff i want to kind of talk about a little bit before we get off here today you got John three and twenty three. I got it. You know the unique thing about this passage, I found out. We it's John three. We find Jesus being approached by Nicodemus, and he goes into telling him he had to be born of the water and of the Spirit, and he elaborated on that. Well, after his sermon, it was kind of unique because he, you know, there's a big debate between uh, what was what was Jesus telling Nicodemus when he told him. Uh, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of god and we've talked about that in our previous lessons that nicodemus was familiar with the mikvah that the mikvah was a water submersion done by the jews to anyone that wasn't a free-born jew if you was born another uh, nationality or another religion you you had to be proselyted into judaism and that proselyting process caused you to have to be fully submerged in the mikvah and so you had to be born of the water and that's where Nicodemus says hey what do you mean uh, born again I was free born a Jew I don't have to do this water baptism which meant in the mikvah when you've done that proselyting it was called being born anew or being born again and it's it's unique how he he, I mean I just kind of recapped that but Leading up to verse 23, now he's ministering to Nicodemus on water baptism. Now, a lot of other people may want to try to uh, teach that away, but when you know Jewish culture, you you can't get away from that. That's why it, it just surprises me when I hear so many apostolic ministers and stuff that this is foreign to them because they talk about being born of the flesh is flesh and being born of the spirit of spirit and they're still lost in this passage because they don't see the Jewish roots that it has and that being born of the flesh is flesh doesn't mean everybody that's born of the flesh it means that look, you was fleshly born a Jew and you think that entitles you to salvation everybody is born of the human race no matter if you're Jew or Gentile but that don't mean nothing anymore. It meant something under the Old Covenant. But now that the New Covenant's coming in, everybody must be born of the water of the Spirit. And that was telling Nicodemus, it didn't matter that you was free-born Jew or not. You need to be water-baptized. You need to be mikvahed into the New Covenant. Well, as he's sitting there and he's explaining that, look what happens here immediately upon him finishing this conversation with Nicodemus. In verse 21, he finishes his conversation, but in verse 22, it says, After these things, check this out. Soon as he got through talking, soon as he got through talking to Nicodemus, it said, After these things, Jesus and his disciples went into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. So as soon as he got through preaching to Nicodemus about being born of the waters, him yep. and his disciples went right into Judea. And what did they do? They picked up that mikvah. They picked up that water baptism. But what I want to focus on here is the very next verse, Brother McMorris. I want you to read that, verse 23.
1: And John also was baptizing in Enon near to Salem because there was much water there.
0: I'ma stop right there. He was doing what?
1: Baptizing.
0: Where was he at?
1: Enon. Near Salem.
0: Why why was he there?
1: Because there was much water there.
0: Huh they came and were baptized he said he was in these places because there was much water yeah yes when he goes just pouring and sprinkling brother you don't have to be uh, much uh, water uh uh you don't he needed much no. for a sprinkle uh uh he, he needed said a that place he was in these specific places because there was much water because they had to be submerged they had to be completely immersed
1: absolutely and so it was necessary well why was he there why wasn't he somewhere else because he needed a place with much water that was deep enough To get these people all the way under fully submerged baptized
0: you know brother mcmorse um this is pretty much wrapping up our water baptism deal and i know that there's a lot of conflict and many different deals um matter of fact when i first came into this revelation of water baptism being essential and uh, water baptism being in the name of jesus (coughs) essential Uh, i didn't agree with it i didn't believe it at all but there was a place in my heart that uh was very very strong in wanting to please god and i was a bullheaded young man i was 23 when i got locked up and uh and you know, I, I was rough, tough and didn't take no stuff, you know, kind of every, every young, youngster man in this lifestyle of crime, they're, they're, you know, they just think they're the, the baddest, toughest dude in the world. And so I was not exemption from there. So just telling me something wasn't going to be good enough, but there was a burning desire in my heart to learn more about God. And I went on a 30 day fast over at Cummins and on that fast I drank nothing but water and I had one glass of orange drink a day and on that 30 day fast truthfully I tried to prove this wrong that was my intention I had been I had been hit with it I had very little uh theology information. I just knew I was raised believing in the Trinity. I knew I was raised that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost was the way to be baptized. That's how mainstream Christianity taught it. And I was taught that it was just a public confession, that it wasn't needed for salvation. We should do it, but it wasn't needed. If we didn't do it before we died, we would be okay. And so that's how I truly believed. And when I went into this fast, I went into it tearing before God to prove it wrong give me the scriptures and the things that I need to rest assured that this teaching that I do believe in is the way and this other is erroneous and on that 30-day fast brother McMorris is when God began to pull the scales off of my eyes and just like you quoted earlier it says that that water baptism in the name of Jesus washes away sins. It's pretty evident in in uh, when Paul had those scales removed from his eyes. That's the first thing that Ananias told him there in Acts 22 and 16. Acts 22 and 16, for you guys that want to know what that said, he said, Arise, why tarriest thou, Paul? Arise and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Be baptized, he said, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it was evident that water baptism, while you're calling on the name of Jesus, washes away your sins. And it was a hard pill to swallow, but the thing when I got it, it wasn't so bad once I swallowed it. All it did to me was show me that I now a deeper revelation in the Word of God, and I continue to want more. And it's not a matter I'm right and you're wrong in debating between the flesh and blood. This thing is spiritual. Do you truly, this is to our listeners, do you truly want more of God? You need to put away what grandma taught you. You need to put away what mama taught you. You need to put away what you feel God has revealed to you in the past. And get in the Word of God with prayer and fasting. Put away all your little books that you got, all your little wonderful theologians, your Charles Swindoll and and then Charles Stanley and any other material you got. I don't know. I just I, I'm not meaning to bark on nobody. TD Jakes, Joyce Meyer, whoever, whatever you're reading, studying, listening to on your radio, your podcast. You, listen, put it away. Get in the Word of God. And do some fasting. Search the scriptures. Jesus says search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And those are those that testify me. The scriptures are the ones that testify Jesus. So what That's we right. have to do. Is we have to get in there. And find out. How many times. Did water baptism accompany a conversion of a person immediately up on their conversion? Immediately upon their conversions, they didn't wait. They didn't put it off. It was accompanied with their salvation. And how many of those were done in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost? None of them. And how many of them was done in the name of the Lord, or in the name of the Lord Jesus, or in the name of Jesus? All of them. Every single one of them. Search it out. This well, podcast Annette. ain't to hurt nobody, this ain't to confuse nobody, this isn't to be nobody. So what about my grandmother? I know she was close to the Lord, I, I know that, that, or my granddaddy, he was a preacher, he was a, a strong man of God, and he died and he taught us, listen, they are in the hands of a just and loving God. We have to teach what we have before us today. I have not a heaven to send them to or hell to put them in, and neither do you. We know what we're going to do, and we're going to be held accountable. We're going to be held accountable for what we have before us. Don't follow your grandparents or your mama or your aunties or your whatever into heaven or into hell. Don't ride on their coattail. You need to get in this thing and find it for yourself
1: that's the truth
0: yeah but we love everybody man and we just this isn't to bash anybody and i know there's a lot of people that feel we kind of get worked up and excited and get upset at false teaching and teaching that just opposes the word of god but here's the thing number one the bible speaks of baptism so what's the problem with us promoting it as being something that is needed jesus taught it jesus did it himself we're not taking away from scriptures number two we're saying that it needs to be done in the name of jesus christ we're promoting us apostolic pentecostals promote the name of jesus christ above and beyond any other christian sect out there why what's the problem with lifting jesus more than anybody lifting jesus the name of jesus the one that died and shed his blood the one that can save your soul there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved every knee will bow every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord that jesus christ is the supreme in authority over any and everything in heaven and earth what's, what's wrong with us lifting that name up that's exactly you
1: know, right. a person
0: don't a person don't have a problem when they're Arkansas Razorbacks yeah, and lifting them hogs up, calling them pigs. Woo, Suey. In any other crazy sports team fanatic that's out there, you, the, 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 whatever, well, you, you pick your team and you look at how much you promote it. You put it on everything. But when we as Christians begin to lift the name of Jesus above every other Christian group that's out there, we are look funny at.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, and here's what they... Those that would say, well, you guys get a little too excited. You get a little too beside yourselves. Here's the part that most don't recognize. In Ezekiel chapter number 3, starting in verse 17, it reads, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked... Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou has delivered thy soul. And so the issue is, is that you and I and every other person familiar with the truth would be at fault to not put out the warning and sound the alarm that, hey, there is a truth to God's Word. God's Word is infallible. It's perfect and it's complete. It doesn't contradict itself not one time. It answers every question that it poses, and it's of no private interpretation. And so every pit of every piece of it and every bit of it has got to be preached, has got to be taught and has got to be lived out. And the blood would be required at the hands of men like you and I if we didn't sound the alarm.
0: Well, you know, it's a sad thing that, you know, um, you get in the Word of God, and you study the Word of God, and you, and you see it for what it is, and you exalt the Word of God above anything else on this earth, and you look like a weirdo or a fanatic to to other people that claim to be Christians. You know, you're taking it too far, but you, you, you do this number right here, man. You walk in a room full of strangers— not knowing a single person, and you bring up the conversation of the at-hand the, the Super Bowl, and people will start talking and discussing that Super Bowl and these teams as total strangers, never laid eyes on each other before. They'll do that. There will be a rapport. There will be a relationship sparked over that. But you go in that same room with those same people, and you start talking about Jesus Christ, and you start talking about Jesus is the only way. They'll say, "Man, that, that's personal. That, that's personal. We don't talk about that." They'll they'll snub their nose. They'll look at you yeah. like, "Who is this freak? Who is this weirdo? Who is this cyclops that just walked in the room?" Yeah, you're an isolated island, man. You're yeah, in, you live in a world where Jesus said that that which is highly esteemed among man is an abomination, an
1: abomination to god. Of god
0: people would rather people would rather claim the title of christianity would rather walk in a room and have a conversation with somebody that the Bible says is abomination to God rather than to speak of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to tell you what, when he comes back in his glory, Brother McMorris, I want to be thankful that he spared me from the death sentence. I want to be thankful that he delivered me from the lethal ejection from the state of Arkansas when he did. I want to be thankful that he delivered me from the bullet going into my head like it did yours. Right. Amen. When That's the man right. stood in front of me and the gun misfired, and I looked down the barrel I want to be thankful when I shot the bad dope and had to be hospitalized from it when yeah. he spared my life when I deserved a devil's hell I want to be thankful to the man of Jesus I don't know about the rest of the world but I'm proud of the name of Jesus
1: that's I'm the happy truth
0: with the name of Jesus amen oh
1: that's the truth yep and you know what though for every person that would snub their nose the idea of wanting to discuss and all of those things, There's somebody out there who's hungry. And there's somebody out there who's searching for more truth. And that's why some of those somebodies are listening to this podcast right now. And God has more for you. And you're on the right path in diving deeper into understanding the true revelation of God. And here's the great thing about it is once a person has revelation, they'll never be unrevelated so keep searching and keep pushing and why don't we go ahead and pray right now brother dickinson yes
0: sir leave cool. us in prayer brother
1: god we love you jesus lord we thank you for your word god lord we ask that your word would fall on good soil god that the seed would take root god lord and that you would give life to it lord and let it spring up like a tree god and have it a strong roots god we ask, Lord, that you would continue to draw those closer to you, God, to give greater revelation and understanding, Lord. We ask it in your name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. <clears throat> well, that wraps up part 10 of coming out of Mama's house. And
0: All what right,
1: thing well, think next. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Where are we at on next week?
0: I think I think next next when well, next one we're gonna do is gonna be part eleven. We're gonna be looking at bapti- uh, 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 obeying the last part of the gospel. We see that we have. Uh, the death the burial and the resurrection we talked about again the repentance is uh, the death water baptism is the burial and now the resurrection is going to be receiving the spirit of god and what does that entail what what actually is that and how do we know that we have it and we're going to talk about that throughout scriptures it's going to be another good lengthy uh, study as well
1: yep well that's going to be good i'm looking forward to it well we sure appreciate each and every one of you all for tuning in. Continue to write us, send us your letters, reach out to us. Like Brother Dickinson said, we're working on getting a, another address set up here soon, but we wouldn't be here without you all. And so we appreciate you all. We want to stay connected. And any other things that you've got to say, Brother Dickinson, before we get off of here?
0: Yeah, Yes, sir, I most certainly do. Everybody always remember.
1: Can't nobody do me like Jesus. That's the truth.
0: You've been listening to the Nobody Like Jesus Podcast. A ministry of Nobody Like Jesus Ministries. Write us at Nobody Like Jesus. 4314
1: Landers Road, North Little Rock, Arkansas. 72117.